My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with McKinney Smith. McKinney is the founder and author of A Walk in My Stilettos. You can find out more on her website, awalkinmystilettos.com. Welcome, McKinney. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Absolutely. I look forward to unpacking everything that you do, um, your personal story and the tie into the brand and the services that you offer, as well as your book. I think our story we were talking in uh, before production, and um, I think that they are so powerful. We just can't hear stories like this enough, and I really look forward to unpacking it. Um, I'm for, excited. <laughs> yeah. For everyone listening, I am going to read a bio on McKinney, but before I do that, a quick roadmap of today's podcast. We will first look at McKinney's academic background and early professional life to kind of garner a platform in which she's coming from. And then we'll start unpacking A Walk in My Stilettos separately, the website separately from the book that she has written, the website, um, all of the services that she offers and the areas of expertise that she coaches and um, kind of offers um, advice and tutorship through. Then we'll unpack the book. Um, what it's about, the journey, and all of those things that I'm not going to relinquish here because it will tie in. The wrap will turn everything towards looking at goals that McKinney may have for the next one to three years regarding both personal and her business as they intertwine with one another. We'll wrap everything up with advice that uh, McKinney may have for those of you who are looking to get involved or emulate some of her success. Um, a quick bio on McKinney before we get started. Uh, founder of A Walk in My Stilettos, McKinney Smith is an award-winning entrepreneur. She has successfully crafted a business in personal development as a mindset coach, helping women reach their goals, a certified Proctor Gallier uh, consultant for her mentor, Bob Proctor, and four-time published author. Her, book, uh, her first book is titled A Walk in My Stilettos, How to Get Through the Struggle with Grace, with the foreword written by Linda Proctor, wife of Bob Proctor. Her second book, A Walk in My Stilettos um, 111, uh, so 111, depending on how we're gonna do that, 111 Affirmations to Help You Heal was inspired by the encouragement of her readers. McKinney created her third book, A Walk in My Stilettos, The Gratitude Journal, to share her success tools with other women, which was followed by the couple's 
gratitude journal inspired by her relationship with her partner. She is also the host of the five stars rated A Walk in My Stilettos podcast for women looking for the tools and motivation to conquer their fears, own their story, and uncover the potential hidden within. Her passion to improve the quality of people's lives includes making an impact in which she contributes her time spreading awareness of mindset, providing expertise on media platforms globally. She's been uh, seen on Huffington Post, XO Nicole, BET, NBC, CBS, Vice News, and much more. McKinney does more than talk the talk. She walks the walk by being an example of leadership, serving in the community, including her recent run for a member of provincial parliament in the 2018 Canadian election, which is so exciting. I can't <laughs> wait to climb through. I think you might be my first um, political candidate on the show thus far. And it's, it's really fun, McKinney. I can't wait to look at that. Before I start getting into all of your endeavors and really unpacking your story and your brand and all of your services, I'm hoping you can draw us um, an academic background and early professional life roadmap that kind of led you to where you are now? Uh, absolutely. I mean, elementary school up until grade eight, I was that kid who was obsessed with learning and getting excellent grades. So graduating with honors, um, you know, my marks were up in the eighties and nineties and going into high school. Uh, again, I guess I didn't necessarily, um, let's say I hung around a group of people that weren't really into going to class on time and being in class every day, but I was always that girl like, sorry guys, I'll be back. I'm going to class. Mm -hmm. And I ended up graduating from high school with honors and then going into college. I actually went to college for aesthetics and spa management. I wanted to open my own spa and run a business that way. And I was really into just helping people feel good and graduated from college with honors and then when I left college and I became a mom, I had a few kids and decided that that wasn't necessarily the route that I was going to take. Uh, when I walked away from aesthetics, I got into real estate and I went to real estate college <laughs> here <laughs> in Canada. And uh, I sold real estate full time for six years. And at that point, I was a single mom. So being able to manage the business, manage the three kids was a handful and it kind of became exhausting and took a toll on my health. And I guess in my path to uh, growth after my sister passed away and after my divorce and I got into understanding personal development, I became obsessed with it and realized like everybody needs to know this. This is life-changing information. Yeah. And that's when I ended up um, taking the training through Bob Proctor's company, Proctor and Gallagher to be a consultant. Um, as a mindset coach and help people in the personal development world. Yeah, I love that. And it slides right in. I love that your academic and professional background really slides right into unpacking, um, you know, what you do with a walk in my stilettos. So I really do want to turn just straight to that journey. Um, the book, the first book, the one that I have read, uh, I have not read the other three, but I look forward to them. Um, is it, it talks about your personal journey and it really ties in how you became the self-realized and actualized person you are today. And I'm assuming how you've, you've rendered the skills necessary to apply them to your customer. And so I'm hoping we can first unpack that book a little bit. Can you proffer up like an example or synopsis for you about what's entailed with that and how that speaks to your personal brand as it is today? 
Um, absolutely. So the first book, Kawaka My Stilettos, How to Get Through the Struggle with Grace, it started out as me just wanting to share my story. And I had, after my sister passed away and after my divorce, I was going through um, support groups to help me get through the grieving process. Mm. And in that, as much as I was there to share and to learn and to heal, I was helping other people heal through those sessions. It was sharing my positivity, sharing the fact that I was still grateful, sharing my ability to be resilient. And everyone in those groups was like, wow, that's so inspiring, you should write a book. So instead of sharing my story one-to-one, I was able to share it one-to-many by putting it into that book. And it's just my story with the tips and tools that helped me get through. And it includes scripture, but it also, it has, I guess where it can relate to everyone because we all have struggle. None of us are exempt from struggle, but it's how to get through those things gracefully. Yeah. And I, what I like about it is um, when you mention faith a lot in the book, it isn't specific. And so it really is um, non-denominational, non, you know, attached. I think that people of all walks, even, um, even agnostic and atheists, faith is not something that is strictly beholden to one faith you know, it's this concept. And I think it's been a unifying factor recently in COVID-19 pandemic, because a lot of people have had to really come together with faith and hope, you know, about humanity, about being able to solve these things, about being able to save populations that are at risk. And so those words, I think, get attached a lot to specific things. But your book did a very good job, at least for me, Um, And I'm sure that you and I don't share the same faith. Um, I'm a Tibetan Buddhist, but it didn't, the way you used the term, and I don't know if you did that consciously, but you do, you do talk about faith because it's been a guiding principle in your life and it's brought about these revelations for you and the way that you approach life now. Are you aware that you don't necessarily attach it strictly to a specific denomination or religion? And did you do that on purpose? Um, I guess that's really how I think of faith. So because I grew up around people of different cultures, different denominations, understanding that faith is really just the belief in the unknown. We don't necessarily have to be religious um, to understand each other's faith. Like you said, it's not necessarily one denomination. So being close to people and even having people within my family that have different belief practices and faith, whether it be being Muslim, whether it be Buddhist, whether whatever it is, we have guiding principles that allow us to have hope, Um, guiding principles that allow us to want to be good people, guiding principles that allow us to want to serve and to be better. And although when I talk about faith, although I may attend a Christian church, understanding that in, in my mind, actual religion divides us, but talking about faith and hope brings us together. So yeah, people, people know that when it comes to faith, my guiding principle is God, and I do believe in God, but I don't, um, nest, like, I don't judge anyone else for their religious beliefs. I don't challenge anyone else on their religious beliefs. It's just understanding that faith and hope do keep us together and connect us. I completely agree. And um, you can have faith in oneself. You know, I, I love the definition that you just offered up about is having, um, you know, confidence in the unknown and, and to be an entrepreneur. Um, to be the underdog, to be the other, to be a woman, you know, to be a person of color, 
you exercise faith or you die, I would argue in this world on a daily basis. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, yeah, I think it's a unifying factor. I'm wondering, um, I, the timeline is, is something I'm a little foggy on. I know that you've had this um, relationship with um, Bob Proctor and his wife. She wrote the foreword, as we mentioned, for your book. Um, and you talked briefly on a recent podcast of yours, you know, about the story of, of meeting him and the auspiciousness and how it kind of all tied into you were just taking this leap of faith and it was a little nerve wracking. And I'm wondering um, how that ties into your growth and when you finally wrote the book and, and things like the certification of becoming a coach and writing the book. Did the book come first or vice versa? Um, so yeah, that's definitely, um, an interesting story. So the book came before the certification. So I had gone through my divorce and my sister had passed away. And like I said, through my grieving process and I was getting support and understanding personal development so that I could heal. And <clears throat> I had a woman that I had met here in Toronto that had a sisterhood and that sisterhood was featured on Oprah life class. And in my I guess, connection with her when she was starting her leadership academy, it forced me to dig deep into my, I'm going to say my inner insecurities, the things that were holding me back. And that made me even more interested in understanding personal development. And I had another friend of mine who had forced me to watch the movie, The Secret, the documentary back when I was going through my divorce, but I wasn't ready for it back then. So that brought up I guess, more interest in Bob Proctor and the whole, um, you know, being a thought leader and helping other people tap into their potential. And as the universe would have it, I was actually doing a real estate deal and got a complete random phone call from a stranger who was following me on Twitter and was inviting me to meet Bob Proctor. And I had actually been looking into his courses. He had a three day, uh, I think it's the matrix course at the time was like or $12,000. And I thought, wow, he's inviting me to meet Bob Proctor for free. What is the catch? This, you know, this has to be a hoax. Mm -hmm. And I actually attended and connected with Bob and his wife. It was a beautiful experience for me, but it was life changing and staying connected with them and being mentored by them and learning from them. I was actually in the process of writing the book. So when I got the nerve to actually ask Linda if she would read it and write the forward, when she said, absolutely, that was mind blowing to me. And she read it while her and Bob were away for a week. And I believe they were in Hawaii. And I went to meet them the week they came back and Bob was first one to approach me and say, wow, like that your book is amazing. I don't like your cover, but your book is amazing. <laughs> and um, everyone's a critic. Yes. Um, but it was a beautiful experience. And after having the book out and going through, you know, doing book signings and meeting people and asking and having people ask me to mentor them, I was like, wow, okay, people actually see me as a mentor. It was like a, an evolution process for me. And when Bob made a call saying he's looking for more consultants and he thinks that I would be a great consultant, I was like, mm, if Bob Proctor thinks so. So I ended up taking the course and that's led me to where I am now, helping other people tap into their potential. Yeah. And let's unpack that a little bit. Um, when you hit your website, it's, uh, I have to say from a nerd standpoint of view, everyone, my, my audience, anyone who's heard more than three of these podcasts knows that I am married to an original Silicon Valley computer nerd that came up when um, the Valley was being built. 
So I care deeply about things I should not care about <laughs> for all respects. But I have to say on, on the front, just to put it out there, your website's really clean. I like the layout. Thank you. It's very concise. And that's kind of important because of this reason for me. I, for my own personal taste, I need my coaches, my advisors, my therapists, and my mentors, I need them to have clarity. I have to believe that they have clarity because otherwise, how are they going to bring it to me? And so when your right. website is presenting me with clarity, I immediately begin to think that you're, you know, <laughs> potentially an, an advisor I would look at. And so that's key because I think that that speaks to the marketing understanding and just the consistency throughout your brand. Now, Thank when you. I first came on to it, I'll tell the audience, everyone needs to get on and experience this for yourself because I've just told you that it's beautiful and you should go and see beautiful website design, but it's a walkinmystilettos.com. And when you get on, um, it, one of the first things that you can find is the immediate assistance and aid um, areas that McKinney will offer. So it's mentorship subscription, virtual podcast um, packages, consultation, storytelling strategy sessions podcast strategy sessions, self-publishing sessions. So I started to see a theme throughout all of these. And I like how you parsed out specific things and just saying podcasting, I'll advise you on that. Like there are different areas that you're like, I will speak to this because it's a little bit more clear. And then you have a free 15 minute um, uh, call, which is awesome. I think everyone should always do that. Um, However, I want to kind of unpack a little bit of what each does so we can start to form a narrative around um, the, the aspect that you're bringing to each one. So the mentor script, mentorship subscription, I'm, I'm assuming this is like a rolling subscription from one month to yes, the next. Yes, so um, monthly or biweekly. Okay. And what, does, what are the key areas, if you had to kind of summarize between all of your clients, what are the main things you've been advising just based on what their needs have been? Um, so there's a lot of people who have, um, so first of all, there's a lot of people who don't have goals. Um, so it's getting people to be very clear about what their goals are in their personal life and their business life. And yeah. then getting people to actually set, I'm going to say, um, we call them seagulls, but they're like goals that scare you, goals that stretch you, goals that, um, and, and showing you how to attain them the same way that seven figure business owners or elite athletes would. Um, attain those goals, getting you to clear up the fog in your head, um, especially when it comes to self-image, because how we see ourselves on the inside affects the opportunities and the things that we go after and how we act on the outside. Yeah. Um, working on all of those things, basically. Okay. And then um, do, would you say that most of your clients in this area stay for one month, six months? Do you have an average or is it just based on individual all across the board? So it's usually based on the individual. I expect people to commit for a minimum three months because the only way to see your results is consistency and learning through consistency is a huge part of what we do, repetition. And there's different sessions, but if they choose to, and we're going through the Bob Proctor sessions, there's a 12 session um, course on how the brain works and going through your, your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, and why we actually do the things that we do so that we can get the results that we want to get. Yeah. Okay. And so it sounds like you do have a framework. I always wonder how people do, you know, this coaching, if, if they come at, do you present that framework to people that you advise, like with the goal making, do you say like, this is what the paradigm we're going to be working in and this is what it's going to yield? Yeah. So on a consultation call, if someone calls me for mentorship and coaching, 
first, my first question is, where are you and where do you want to be? And I break down using the systems that we have, how those systems can actually help them get to where they want to go. Right. Okay. And then getting into the virtual podcast package, and I want to talk about that and how it's differentiated between the podcast strategy session. Okay. Yeah. So for the virtual podcast um, session, I was doing, well, before COVID, we were doing them in person, but I found that everyone is at a complete different point in terms of understanding. So you, you, you reference yourself as like a, a, a nerd. So there are some people that understand technology. So when you're teaching them technical stuff, they get it very quickly, but there are people who want to produce a podcast that have no clue. So I found that in person, those sessions were taking a little bit longer. So I actually do custom one-on-one -on -one sessions now. So what people are paying for is the personalization. So we do virtual sessions and I walk them through start to finish um, everything that I know about podcasting, but helping them to come up with their concept, their format, um, helping them to work through getting their cover art um, and how to market and what their objective and goal is with sharing their story with the world through a podcast. Nice. Yeah. And then I, the strategy. I, Sorry, go ahead. No, um, I was just going to say, particularly to this standpoint, um, I get reached out to myself and my company um, maybe 16 times a day about people who are just looking for really earnest, like pieces of advice, you know, because I host five separate podcasts and I co host two others. Um, it's this uh, people reach out and say, like, how do I just like start? Like what software am I using? What am I doing this? And so it's key to be able to point towards it is, you know, it's a booming, it's the number one booming form of like communications and marketing. It's still the wild west. You know, it's still very like anybody's game, no rules <laughs> out there, nobody knows. Yeah. And, um, and so it's really key. I think that that kind of a service is, is going to blow up, you know, it, over the next year. So I think that's really cool. Okay. You were saying now and differentiating it from the podcast strategy session. Yeah. From the strategy session, there are people that may have already started a podcast, but they want to know something as simple as how do I monetize it? How do I get sponsors? How do I do like all of those individual things? It's coaching them through that based on their individual needs. So the, the strategy session, it's, basically a one hour consultation on podcasting specific to what they need to know. Um, because the, the masterclass, the online virtual workshop, that is, it's like three, I'm going to say three and a half, if it's someone who's a little slower, but um, it's three and a half hours um, of a session going through every single thing from starting recording, editing, marketing it's the whole kit and caboodle <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's i mean it's it's a totally different step and it's really cool that you parse those out because combining them is too much anyway you know getting yeah. your feet wet and starting a podcast is a very different beast um than getting into sponsorship partnerships affiliation all of the advertising it's just incredible i i myself lived for a year in it before i even reached out into those areas um just because i wanted to really garner a sense of the world I was in. And, um, yeah. and so I think that it's wise to parse those out. Um, I'm wondering now about the storytelling strategy session. That's fascinating. And before you say anything, I want to know um, which mediums you cover with that because storytelling is, um, I was raised on it. It's my main form of learning. I, I believe mm -hmm. in it in a pedagogical lens. I think it's art, at once artistic and biographical. And I'm wondering if you which mediums you started from and um, what it's all about. 
Yeah, absolutely. So for the storytelling session, again, that's more like um, a one hour consultation. In terms of storytelling, I have, like you said, you, you get tons of requests from people that want to know how you do what you do. So I get tons of requests from people wanting to know about becoming an author, how to write, where do they start? What do they do? I get tons of requests on, okay, well, I have a podcast, but I'm not really sure how to share my story on the podcast or to share my message on the podcast. Um, so whether it be through content for social media, especially because, you know, for example, Instagram, there's a lot of people who want to start a personal brand, but they don't know how to connect with their audience. It's using your story to connect with your audience. So I'm basically showing them how to own their story um, in that one hour session, whether it be for content creation for social media, for newsletters, for books, podcasts. Nice. Yeah. The motive changes, right? It's yeah. Different. Um, everyone thinks, well, it's a personal narrative. It goes across all, all platforms the same, but um, posting a YouTube, you know, video or something like that with a personal narrative to try and garner an audience ship as opposed to a blog, as opposed to a podcast. Um, for me, all have a very different dynamic, a different structure, you know, um, the hook, what you're going to lead with all of those things, traditional journalism, there's all these half post, uh, you know, um, submissions, things of that nature. They all have a very different format and it's, yes. it's, it's ideal to be able to sit down and talk with someone about your ideal formats and what area you want to submit first. I can see the benefit in that. Um, the self-publishing, let's get into that again. A lot of arenas <laughs> there, right? Ebooks as opposed to finding a publisher, all of those things. What do you cover in that? Yes. So for the self-publishing package, um, because I was working with a lot of content, um, a lot of ghostwriters behind the scenes and I was doing on the publishing end. So one of my main ghostwriters is actually a celebrity ghostwriter. So she gets these big contracts to write books for um, whether it be um, TV personalities or social, uh, social influencers, or we've had some musical artists, things like that. It's publishing it on the back end. So I do all of the behind the scenes work into getting their manuscript up on all the global uh, platforms, whether it be hardcover, paperback, or ebook. So I started doing that, and it was, I spent 2019 basically off healing from surgery that kind of I didn't, I'm going to say, didn't heal too well from. Mm -hmm. And I was able to provide an income for my family by doing, working with the ghostwriters. So coming into 2020, I decided, you know what, there are so many people that want to publish a book, have no idea what to do. And because I can do it with my eyes closed, it's like, okay, if you, if you have a manuscript ready to go, even if you don't, but if you have a manuscript ready to go, it is on the back end. I am setting you up with your ISBN. I'm setting you up with the distributor that has you placed in a catalog of the 39,000 online stores, schools, and libraries. Um, so you're on the big stores like uh, Barnes and Nobles, um, Amazon, iBooks, all of those. And basically getting everything done within a two to five week period where they can see their name, you know, on all those big major online bookstores. Absolutely. Do you, uh, do you do any partnership with publishing houses to that end? Have, do you have any relationships or are these all for self-published works? Um, so all of the work that I've been doing is all for self-published work. So a lot of the, so first off, I, my very first book deal was with the publisher and that deal went wrong and I backed out of the contract because it was not in line with my morals and who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. So I took that loss and that's when I started learning about the self-publishing world. 
and transitioned all of my books to being self-published and um, learning that route. So on our team that works with the ghostwriters, there is one person on the team that works for a major publisher in the marketing department. Um, so she advises us on the back end with a lot of things, but it's two completely different worlds, working with major publisher versus being self-published. And in the last, I'm gonna say five years or so, it's actually way more common to be self-published and still build a huge brand and a big name for yourself. So it's helping the everyday woman, person, whoever, who wants to share their story internationally to be that author that they always wanted to be if they don't have the funds or if they don't originally have that huge network or name to be with a major publisher. Yeah, and I've spoken to a lot of women um, over the past couple of years that turned to self-publishing after similarly thinking that they were going to get a publisher, getting one and finding out that the deal was not servicing them. This, um, I think I have a suspicion and I don't have data to back it. I believe it happens to more female authors. Um, and I believe that there is an abuse in this system. I also think that publishing houses need to go through the same scrutiny that the rest of the United States and Canada have gone through in a lot of their regentrification of um, the, the literature kingdom. You know, they, they, they're acting like these crazy dictators with this um, draconian control over what gets produced is ridiculous if you think about the release <laughs> of the World Wide Web and then putting the stigma upon self-publication as though it's, it's lesser than is yep. absurd to me. And I want a whole nother secondary publishing kingdom to come up where it can be self-publishing, and curated at the same time and edited to just kind of, you know, I, I come from a family of writers and this this old paradigm just feels like, well, when is that kingdom gonna fall, you know? But yeah. um, <laughs> to that end, because I do have a lot of background there, um, not personally, but through friends and colleagues, I'm wondering, can you enumerate without dropping the name? I know we don't, no one wants to get anybody in trouble, but, um, well, maybe you do, but um, <laughs> I never mind that. But, um, <laughs> I'm wondering if you can speak to a little, just briefly, a little bit of the difficulty that you had that caused you to back out. Was it a numbers yeah. game? Was it an editing so game? So with the um, publisher that I had originally got the book deal with, when I got that deal, it was actually a connection that I made through LinkedIn. And um, that person advised me that I could submit my manuscript to them. I did. They walked me through how to you know, do my synopsis. And then when I asked about publishing, that's when they made it clear to me that they actually were connected with the publishing house and name dropped a few names that they had published. So I thought, okay, great. And this was back in 2000 and I'm going to say 2012 roughly. Okay. So I didn't do my due diligence back then, but I thought, okay, they dropped some, some names. They knew what they were doing. Let me just go this route. And when I signed that publishing deal, not knowing, um, so it was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and I started making my installments and did not have my contract read by a lawyer. Again, I should have. And I guess I started to educate myself as the process was going on. Yeah. And when I submitted my first draft and it, it took, I don't know, like two months to hear back from their editor and the person I was connected to with that publishing company came back to me and said, yeah, you've had a rough life, but so what? Like, what do you want us to do with this? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. if I had just left it there, I never would have published at all. And that's mm -hmm. when I started to do more research and realized that within that contract, the money that part of the money that I was paying for 
they were basically going to purchase like 2000 copies of my own book to make me come out as a bestseller, as opposed to me earning that title. To me, I, I don't agree with that. Um, there was a lot of other things within there. Plus when it came to, for example, my book cover, if my book is about me, I want some say in the book cover. And I was advised to go and do a photo shoot. And when they came back to me with the book cover, I thought, wow. And back then, I mean, my son is now 14. So back in 2000, I don't want to do all the numbers in my head right now, but back then I thought my son could have done this book cover with his eyes closed. Like this does not represent me as a brand, as a woman. And I had a, a very close friend who helps me with some of my design work who agreed to redo the cover for me. And I had him redo the cover and sent it to the publishing company and they were totally opposed to it. They ripped it to shreds. Meanwhile, it was an amazing, beautifully designed cover that aligned with who I was. It was just a lot of, um, a lot of unnecessary butting of heads. Um, and they did not approve of, uh, so the current book, A Walk in My Slottos, has a lot of, like you mentioned in the beginning, my faith that was like a no-no for them it was it was basically trying to control my story <laughs> and at the end See, of the isn't day it they ironic were, that that was the part that reached me i mean that's this, the part, part that they wanted to women. edit out you know it's absolutely it's ironic yeah yeah so it was a lot of budding heads and it was just it got to a point where i thought this does not align with who i want to be so why is it that i'm doing all the work to write my story and you want to slap this plain Jane cover on it and then I don't get my royalties and you're taking you know a huge percentage of all of the money that this is going to be making this doesn't make any sense to me so yeah. I definitely thought that it was worth it to breach that contract and deal with whatever consequences came with it and I'm glad that I did I am too I'm sure everyone who's read your book is very glad you did. That's yeah. a very similar story. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you took the time to, you know, really um, honestly and authentically give it to us because I do believe that it's the abuse of writers and people who are out there. And, um, and because of it, I like to see this emerging self-publication. And so for you to offer a self-publishing session to be able to help these people along um, your own story, it follows a very similar trajectory of a lot of people that I've heard that it was almost as though they were legally conned in some way and, um, and abused for their editorial yeah. rights and their story and everything else. And so even um, stories that don't go that way, the ownership that publishing houses have over you and your work needs to be uncovered before people, particularly women and people who who have been considered owned for so much of our historical past, you mm -hmm. know, to really understand what you're getting into bed with and the alternatives to that is, um, for me, wildly important. So I'm really glad that Absolutely. you shared that. Um, I'm you. wondering, um, your story, uh, we grabbed a quote from um, uh, uh, someone who had a review and in it, it says, McKinney shares how she conquered the challenges of being a teen mother, divorce, traumatic loss, and becoming an entre entrepreneur, single motherhood, and much, much more. And your latest book is about this partnership redevelopment that you've had come back into your life. Um, and I don't know how recent or anything like that. And I look at your, um, the story of you, and it's got this really beautiful life cycle, you know, that seems to have come back to this 
holistic person who's who's risen, you know, who's who who came up, who fell, um, maybe not even fell, but stumbled as life would have us all do, and then has come out of it with his sense of not just success but gratitude, and compassion and um, faith. And I'm wondering if you can speak to knowing that entire life cycle, as, as I'm calling it, um, how you use that particular trajectory in looking forward to your future, to your goals that you personally make and you make for your business for the next one to three years. Wow. Okay. I mean, there's nothing constant in the world except change. <laughs> um, yeah. And I feel like the evolution of my journey, it's funny you say that. I, I, I did an Instagram story yesterday asking people why they follow me. And I had one person that I've known since kindergarten basically said she's, she loves watching my evolution and hearing the, le the life lessons that I'm sharing as I go. So as much as I've had these struggles or these things that have happened to me, I do my best to find the lesson or the blessing in everything. And we always feel like when something happens to us, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And we get upset and we're like, oh God, why is this happening to me? But learning perspective and saying, okay, well, why is this happening to me? What am I supposed to learn here? Or how is this, or what good can come from this? And my ability, or I guess my perception of life has allowed me to take every single struggle and find the good in, in it, like this pandemic. I know a lot of people are upset and anxious and going through all of these waves of emotions. And I'll be honest, yes, I had those in the beginning, but I had to ask myself, what good can come from this? Where is the lesson here? Where am I being blessed in all of this? And I am actually at peace and very content right now in the middle of this pandemic in my home. I mean, I'm introverted, so I don't mind <laughs> being, you know, at home, but it's more time with my kids. It's more time to focus on my business. It's actually brought me more business because there are more people right now understanding the power of creating content that is valuable and putting our stories out there and writing our own history. And it's allowed me more time to take on more clients. It's allowed me more time to actually be still and study more about personal development and read more books and listen to more podcasts and learn. So it's every time I'm learning something, I am teaching that. And it's like, like you said, this, I guess, circle of, of life. Is, it's just, I am loving and in such a huge place of gratitude for where I am right now, even in this pandemic. Wonderful. I love that. And I, and I don't think that we should be afraid to talk about the the beauty and the lessons that we've learned from the pandemic. I know there's a slight, particularly for people who are philanthropic measured or humanitarianly backed, you know, we don't want to delineate the sorrow and suffering and things like that, but it's, it's crucial for the human spirit to find, you know, this, the elements that made it worth it to endure right. and things of that nature. And um, the global citizenship that brings us all together under this, like we are free, uh, freakishly weak and fragile creatures. And we tend to forget that when we create mm -hmm. empires, you know, and we have these weaknesses and they combine all of us. And um, it's not just made out of wars and bullets and things like that. We have it, you know, and an imperfect side and to unite under that and unite under a goal is um, for me so wildly important. And to be reminded of that 
Um, I wish the cost hadn't been this, but those types of things. And so I love that, you know, you've kind of looked at this, this beauty and this love and the, the areas it's let you, I think a lot of people have taken stock, you know, into um, what they are personally, career-wise, people have pivoted. It's done a lot of, of good. And, and, yeah. and thank goodness, because if it hadn't, this would just be carnage. It would just be horrific, you know? So I'm wondering, um, we are running out of time and we're wrapping everything up with my favorite part. I must say there's been a lot of favorite parts throughout this particular podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I, uh, uh, I'm wondering if, so this is the scenario I'd like to present you and I do it with all of my guests. Um, if you were out tomorrow and um, there wasn't this social distancing, or let's keep it social distance. If someone reached out to you, a direct message on a social media platform, and this very earnest individual, let's say it was a female, female identified or non-binary, pretty much anyone other than a cisgendered white man. Um, if they reached out to you and said, listen, um, I've had this personal journey. It comes from a place of um, you know, struggle and triumph in my own right. And I've shared it a lot. People believe that I could help others by sharing it more. Um, I think I'm going to start a coaching business. I'd like to write a book and, and start these endeavors and really get going. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that person knowing what you know now? Mm, I love that question. Um, it's funny. I get questions like that every day in my DMs. <laughs> yeah. So I guess one of the first things that I tell people is there is someone out there willing to pay right now for what you know right now in this very moment. So start with where you are because there are a lot of people that feel that they have to go pay to get educated to be this or to be be that or what have you. Especially when it comes to being a coach, you can coach from your niche of what you know right now in this very moment and evolve from that place because that's exactly what I did. I was coaching and mentoring before I got certified. So it's knowing that you have value, you have wisdom, and there is someone willing to pay for that specific topic or passion or whatever it is that you want to talk about. Um, the other thing that I would say is get a mentor or a coach because every great mentor or coach has a mentor or coach. I have different coaches in, for all areas of my life. I have uh, coaching for leadership. I have coaching for spirituality. I have coaching for um, business. I have a coach in so many different areas and they will help you to, um, I'm going to say, skip some of the, the pitfalls. They will save you time and money. So that investment that you make into a coach is worth it in, in time that we can never replace. Um, and the third thing, believe in your story because your story matters and it is so important. If you don't believe in your story, how are you going to expect other people to believe in your story? If you don't believe that the information that you have is useful and powerful and valuable, how will other people believe that? So having that humble confidence in yourself and to know that your story matters and that you can build an entire brand on your story like I have. Yeah. And I, I do agree with that. I've met a lot of really powerful people in advisory roles that are a little bit ashamed of their story still. And I think how and why you've, you've ended up in, at this beautiful creature. How could you possibly you know, take anything from your past and, and hate on it. And I think that believing in your story is part of that, right? It's coming it to accept so powerful. 
Absolutely. Um, Dr. Brene Brown has a, a quote that says, um, shame loves secrecy. And I, I live on that quote because I feel like that's helped me to uncover <laughs> a lot of the things that other people would be ashamed of, but that's allowed me to evolve and to help people who are in that place that I was in because they can see someone that's out there as a living example of someone that's not ashamed of having a story that's very similar to theirs. Absolutely. I agree with that. I could take it even further. I started thinking crime loves secrecy. Abuse loves secrecy. Everything absolutely. negative, right, in our life. It's sure. so powerful. It's absolutely true. Secrecy is, um, is, is a powerful component that can, I think can be used for good and bad when yeah. added to uh, uh, something. It's a reactant, if you will, <laughs> um, a chemical reactant. Uh, so I have the three top three pieces to summarize you, if I could be so bold. Um, there is someone out there that's willing to pay for what you know. Um, you have value, so start now. Number two, get a mentor or a coach. And number three, believe in your story. I love those. Yep. I think that those are so awesome. Thank you, McKinney, so much. We're out of time. You're very welcome, Patricia. I really appreciate everything. I think your story is awesome. I want everyone to get online, check out your website, your services, and your book. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I It's an honor to be on your show and to have you share my story with your audience. And I truly appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. And thank you for everyone listening. We've been speaking to McKinney Smith. She is the founder and author of A Walk in My Stilettos. Um, you can find it online at awalkinmystilettos.com. And uh, thank you for giving us your time today. Until we speak again, remember to stay safe, stay home until they lift those restrictions, and always bet on yourself. Sláinte.